Yesterday, at the end of the day, uh, at Oktoberfest, um, there, there was a group of us that, that had been there all day long. Uh, and so you can kind of hear it in my voice a little bit. The first service, uh, if you were in here, I, I almost died. I like choked on my own throat. It was crazy. But anyway, uh, man, our voices are gone. Some of us are still a little sweaty from this morning. So we were at Oktoberfest yesterday. Usually we set up on Saturdays, but this morning we got here at 6.30 and set all this up and, and we're going to tear it all down. Uh, I'm just going to selfishly ask uh, some of you who don't normally stay after to help us tear down to, to, to stay. Uh, we're going to have a baptism right out here in the in the foyer uh, or the, I, I don't know, I want to say marketplace. That's not the right word. What's the word? For, what's it? Courtyard, not marketplace. In the courtyard, uh, we're going to have a, a, a baptism right after service. So right after church, we'll go right out there in case he's going to get baptized. And, and then, you know, we're going to ask a couple of you if, if you want my saying. Hey, uh, when we were finished, we took a picture all together, um, everyone who had stayed all day long. And, and afterwards, I just, man, was, was filled with emotion because I'm just so proud of, of this church. And... Uh, man, we started two and a half years ago, and at one point yesterday, we were doing the uh, Cupid Shuffle. Everyone was doing the Cupid Shuffle, and I, I just looked at Kendra, and I was like, man, this is the church. That, this is our church. This, this is so great. And so, man, I, I'm so thankful to be your pastor and, and to be able to love you, and, and just thanks for, for loving me and my family, too. But last week, we started uh, a teaching series called Dark Horses, and Dark Horse, the term Dark Horses is, is a sports term. And it, it means, it, it talks about a competitor where there's little known about them, and they have very few chances of winning. And we feel like, and I know because statistics are telling us right now that, that the church, at one point in our country's history, and, and even recently, in about 30 years ago, the church was like the prominent thing. People went to the church for answers. People went to the church for help. Um, People saw the church as a, a, a good, noble thing. But you guys know that, that that's long gone. And so the church now in our culture is, is a dark horse. We're no longer the, the home team, so to speak. And so we started this series to, to talk about just our church, about who we are as Restore Church. We started two and a half years ago, and man, God has blown us away with his grace with his generosity and the stories that he's living through your lives the the competitor that there's little known about with very little chance of win the dark horse have you ever felt like possibly the the dark horse maybe it has been in a sport or or, or maybe at some point it was uh, in grade school being picked last in in and dodgeball or whatever, but, but maybe th there have been, and, and we've all gone through times in our lives where we've been underestimated or, or not given a chance. Maybe you feel, maybe you felt like an outsider. Maybe you feel like an outsider right now. Sitting here in this room, maybe you feel like you don't belong here. Like everyone knows what you did last night. We don't, but you might feel like that. You might, it, it took everything you had to get up to actually come to church to, this morning, and you had to get over your anxiety about coming, you had to get over what your friends thought or your parents thought, and maybe I'll give this 
thing shot, you had to overcome the rain, right? No one wants to come to church when it's raining outside. It's the craziest thing. We'll stand outside with our shirts off and cheer with 120,000 people football game when it's raining. And I'm guilty of that. It's also God's favorite thing is football. So, um, Well, Jesus and church. Okay, maybe it's not his favorite thing, but it's one of his favorite things. This morning, we're going to talk about uh, Restore Church a little bit. In this series about who we are as a church and, and how we really, as a group, are a group of outsiders. We are the dark horses, competitors that there's little known about and, and given little chance to, to win, maybe to move forward in life. Hey, at Restore Church, we use uh, the Bible uh, as our authority. We go to a Bible for answers. We, we hear from God. And he talks through the Bible. And so what we're going to ask you to do is to open up your Bible. If you don't have one, that's okay. We've got plenty, and we'd love for you to have one. If, if you throw your hand up real quick like that, or you can hold it up. You can send signal flares or whatever you want if, if you need one. If not, uh, you can find one on, on, on your app, on your phone, or your, your tablet. We also have it on the screens, and so you can follow along on the screens. But, uh, y'all, you can't take screens home. Right, So if you're going to love God and love his word at home, uh, you're going to need some way to get into his word, whether it's your phone or your tablet or, or actual Bible. So if, if you've received one of these, just take it. Let that be your Bible. We, we want you to have it. Right, hide, highlight in it, write in it, make notes, uh, uh, whatever you have to do. So we're going to be in Mark uh, chapter 10. Uh, Mark chapter 10 is where we'll be in. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It starts the New Testament, and all those books, they kind of do the same thing. They all tell the story of Jesus' life, all the way, or his birth, all the way through his resurrection. They all tell it from different perspectives. They share little different stories with different nuances, but their goal is all the same, and that's to tell the story of Jesus. So Mark, in his telling of Jesus, is kind of like halfway through, and and halfway through, Jesus has some notoriety. He's got people following him. We know, we'll read in a minute, we know he's got his 12 disciples, but he's got a crowd, and that's pretty popular, for, or that's pretty common for Jesus. I mean, Jesus is becoming popular, whether for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, right? Like, he's got a crowd, and people want to see this guy. They want to see him do something. Some people in the crowd just want to be there. So they can say that they were there when he heals 4,000 people, or, or he was healed. I was there the time the paralytic man stood up and, and walked away. Some people just want to see what's next. Some people just want to see him go head-to-head with the Pharisees and, and make them look stupid because Jesus has a good way of doing that. And so we find right here in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 10, uh, look at verse 46, kind of toward the end of the chapter, we, we read this. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, they were leaving the city, there's a blind man. Bartimaeus was his name, and he was sitting by the roadside begging. Here's one really like good thing to do when you're reading the Bible. This will help you. Read a verse, read a couple verses, and then pause, and, and ask, there's a bunch of questions you can ask, but one of them is, who's here? What's happening? And so who's with Jesus that we just read? The first group of people we read that are with Jesus are his disciples. 
Jesus' disciples are, are 12 of his closest friends who he's gone to and said, hey, come follow me. They drop everything. They leave everything. They come to follow Jesus. And we call them disciples, followers of Jesus. Now, do the disciples have it all together? All right? Do they have their life figured out? Certainly not. I mean, we read about Peter, and at some point, Peter calls Jesus Satan and tells him, get away from me, dude. I mean, Simon the Zealot definitely has some history, and we know the story of Judas and how it ends. The disciples definitely have it all together, but to the blind man, the disciples do. And this is how people outside of the church look at you. Some people outside the church, when you say you're a Christian, they will look at you and think that you have it all together, whether it's your coworkers or your family or your friends. It's definitely how people see pastors. Now, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm going to boast for a minute and just let y'all know that I'm the best sinner in the room. I, I don't know, it's just some about pastors, we just sin better. I, I don't know, or more. I'm just as big as a sinner as you. Like, there's, we're, we're all kind of the same here. But, man, I can't tell you how many times I'll be in a conversation. <laughs> I was on a, I went on a, a fishing trip with, and I was the only civilian on the boat. 60 other Marines, Navy, I, I don't know, but, you know, they're all, everyone military. I'm the only civilian. And it's awkward, okay, uh, because... I'm the only civilian, and so where, and we didn't catch, none of the Marines caught a fish. Um, it, every fish was an effing fish. Those exist in the water. Every fish was that kind of fish. I mean, there was no, it was a bleeping fish. Every fish had a new name, new nickname, and a creative use of that word, right? Every one of them. It was kind of impressive. And so saw one yesterday, uh, saw a couple guys who were on that boat yesterday, at the Oktoberfest, and one of my friends who was on that trip with, or who invited me on that trip, he said that he was telling this guy about our church, and he's like, yeah, and the guy over there, he's our, he's our pastor. Now, this guy on the boat cracked open a beer at 6 a.m. I was, I was like, really, man? I mean, it was, it was crazy, so he starts to tell him, like, that's our pastor, and the guy was like, that's your pastor? Like the guy who was on the boat with us? Oh, man. See, people view us Christians and definitely pastors, and I, I really don't get it as we got it all together. And so when I introduce myself and someone asks you what you do, I'm a pastor, their language changes, the way they talk to me changes, the way they treat me changes, and it stinks because I'm never treated as a human because they've got it all together. The blind man could see these disciples who followed Jesus as having it all together. Maybe you've experienced that as a Christian. And people look at you and they just assume, because you grew up in the church, that you've got your whole life together. It's kind of not fair. Well, then there's the crowd, right? And the disciples are with Jesus, and then there's the crowd who's with Jesus, and, and the blind man is not a part of the crowd. And y'all, there's just something about not being a part of the crowd that freezes people. I'm an extrovert, and I love to be with people. Yesterday at the Oktoberfest was like one of the highlights of my year. I love it because I get to be with people 
all day long, strangers and the people we love here at Restore. And so I get to be with people. Well, there's a small group of people that are there at the very beginning and stay to the end. And so for the people who are there at the beginning and stay to the end, we have like pizza afterwards at my house. This is a shameless plug for next year at the Oktoberfest to stay from the beginning to the end. You can have pizza at my house. And so I walk in because I'm a little bit late and I had to uh, run a little errand. And so I get to the house and uh, Dory's curled up in the recliner about to fall asleep. People are just like laid back looking at their phone because they've carb loaded and they're ready to like crash. I walk in and I am jacked, baby. I'm 100% ready to go. And I'm like, hey, tell me about this story. What was the best part? Like I am ready to go. But you know when I'm not ready to go? Like, what drains me is to not be a part of the crowd. Like, it kills me not to know or not to be on the inside, to be on the outside. And I couldn't dream of what that would be like to happen my entire life. This blind man knows the feeling too well. The disciples, the, the, uh, the crowd, they've done their business in the city and they're leaving and they're on their way out and this blind man knows exactly what it's like to be on the outside looking in and maybe that's your feeling about church maybe you've felt like this uh, in church because you've not been accepted because of your age maybe you were too young or, or too old Maybe you feel on the outside looking in because your skin looks different. It's a different color, or you talk different, or you come from a different neighborhood. Maybe you've felt uncomfortable in church or, or ostracized or an outsider in church because they whisper about your past or what you did last week. Maybe you feel uncomfortable right now because of the baggage that you've tried to check at the door. Look, not here, not at Restore Church. Your messed up past is what qualifies you to belong here. We often ask the, all the perfect people here at Restore Church to stand up and leave because you're the only type of person who doesn't belong. Your flaws qualify you. Your past is, is what allows you to belong. Here at Restore Church, we say we want to love God with all we have. We say we love him relentlessly. And, and then we want to love people. We want to love the people who don't look like us, think like us, or vote like us. And we say we love people recklessly. And we love our world radically. I want to, get, I want to clear the air here. We're all broken. Like the girl that Sasha talked about, every person in this room is broken and is on the mend of being repaired. There are no perfect people here. We're all just discovering God together. So to the person who's uncomfortable, you're trying to like find a way to leave or something, hey, you belong here. To the person who's not a Christian, you belong here. Don't know how you feel about Jesus? You belong here. Been a Christ follower your whole life. You belong here. We, we all belong here. We're all outsiders at some point or, or dark horses. Look at verse 47, and we learn a little bit more about the story. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, when the blind man heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, 
son of David, have mercy on me. This, this is awesome. If you can slowly go through stories, right, and just use your imagination just a little bit. I have no imagination, so it takes a lot of work for me. But if, if you can just see this man for a moment, he's desperate for Jesus. There's a crowd of people who have their life together. What will they think if I shout? But I have to get his attention somehow. And so he hears the crowd approach. I mean, it's, he can't get away from it. He hears the marching and, and, the, and the voices murmuring. And, and then all of a sudden, this is the moment. And then he throws his nerves to the wayside and he shouts, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. And then a pause in the crowd, and it's silent. Did the blind man just yell for the son of David? Everyone stopped. Have you ever been in the blind man's position? Maybe you're there now. A last resort, the last straw. I've tried everything else, and it's not working. Maybe you've been blinded by just the misery of life. Life's dealing you a crappy hand right now, and you're just tired. You're ready to be done. Maybe you're just tired of sin, and it's, it's tearing your, part, your life apart. Some of us have just burnt out, burnt out on life, doing the same old stuff every single day and doesn't really have much meaning to life, doesn't add anything. You, you've, you've tried everything else and maybe except shouting for Jesus to have mercy. Maybe on the inside right now, you're, you're just screaming, Jesus, I, I need you. We all do. Verse 48, many people rebuked him and they told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on, on me. Here's one thing that we know. Uh, following Jesus is hard. It's, it's difficult. And if it's not, if following Jesus is not hard, um, you might not be doing it right. We know that it's, it's not easy. Like it has this uphill battle to it. So to shout for Jesus or, or to change your life or to follow him, there will be people. And oftentimes it will be church people who will try to quiet you down. And I'm embarrassed to tell you that a lot of times. It's people who call themselves Christians. When we were trying to stir up a team to come down and, and plant a, a church uh, from nothing that began in our living room, uh, man, we were trying to find people who just served Jesus. So I, I'd known Kendra from a, a couple years ago, and so I, I asked her to come, and, and it didn't take long before her and Corey, they were engaged at the time. They were like, yes, we're in. And it's unbelievable when people are like, we're going to give up everything, move to Jacksonville, and find jobs and, and help plant a church. It was 
amazing, but there were many people who loved Kendra and, and, and were Christians and are Christians and told her, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Some of you might have this stirring in your, in your like in the pit of your stomach that, that God's calling you to something. Maybe it's to be a missionary. Maybe it's to, to start a Bible study in your, uh, at work. Maybe it's to, to lead in, in the village. Or maybe it's such a small step to, to join a life group. And, and, and there are people who are telling you, are you sure you want to do that? Man, that, that's a crazy next step. And maybe it's your own anxiety that's telling you, man, I can't sit in, in, the, in a living room with people and, and talk about my feelings or the Bible. Uh, man, sometimes we, we got uh, to quiet those voices down. We'll talk about that in a second. There's someone, there are some people who care about you deeply, but they'll quiet try to quiet you down because they're embarrassed for you. You're going to follow this silly thing, or, or maybe they're embarrassed by you. Maybe they'll try to quiet you down because they disagree with you. Jesus really can't help you. Look at all the trouble he's caused, or, or man, he's, you become a bigot like the rest of them. Or, or some people just don't want you to follow Jesus. Listen to this part. Some of us need to hear this. There are some of your people who don't want you to follow Jesus because they're not ready to give up their past and they need you to be a part of it. They couldn't stand to see one of their own get better. To, to start to follow Jesus and to change because it just brings conviction into their own life. So it's just much better to have you a part of it. So just quiet down. This crowd rebuked the blind man for crying out to Jesus, but then Jesus speaks. We'll read it, his verse in just a second, but Jesus talks, and you are going to need to determine, listen, you're going to need to determine which voice you're going to listen to, and you've got to predetermine which voice you're going to listen to. Are you going to listen to the things and the people and the voices and sometimes even the Christians who are trying to hold you back from 100% pursuing Jesus, or are you going to listen to the voice of Jesus? And we got to predetermine it. Go ahead and decide, because when the moment gets there, it might be too late. Hey, I want to say this as a caveat to all of this. Anyone who is a Christian and is trying to, or calls themselves a Christian, and is trying to keep you from pursuing what Jesus is asking you to do, they need to reevaluate the title Christian. And I hope and pray that we're not, you or I, are never in that category. Verse 49, Jesus stopped and he said, call him. So they called the blind man, uh, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. I love this verse, and this is so good. This verse describes the type of church we want to be. Jesus stops the crowd. They're rebuking him, and he says, no, 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 call him to me. And they say, cheer up, stand up, he's calling you. We say that we're a church from the re for the rest of us, and we want to prove it. And so 
we don't want to be like the crowd that rebukes him. We, we want to be like the crowd that says, cheer up, stand up, because he's calling you. And, and there's three things that I see right here real quickly about this crowd and the type of church we want to be. The first thing is they're obedient to Jesus. They're obedient to what Jesus has asked them to do. He says to them, call him. Jesus doesn't call him himself. And so when we decided to plant a church in Jacksonville, there are still 61 thousand people in Jacksonville that if Jesus were to return right now would not spend eternity with him and that is not okay for anyone who loves Jesus I have friends who pray regularly for Jesus to come back and and I'll ask them please don't because there are people I love who don't know him yet and so it is our job as a church to deliver a message to the city of Jacksonville. And so when we're out there yesterday uh, doing the electric slide and the chicken dance and the Macarena, believe it or not, we, there were people doing that. We, we were not trying to push stuff into people's face. I mean, we did. There were a couple kids that got hit in the face with Frisbee. Not our problem that your kid can't catch a Frisbee. But... Um, <laughs> We were out there throwing Frisbees and, and just talking to people. If people were interested, of course, we gave them information about Jesus. But our purpose out there was to serve our community. And so we set up um, two tents, one to change uh, diapers and one for nursing moms. And young families lit up when they saw that that was there. We also, man, with the information we got, so people gave us their email addresses and names and things like that, and we probably should sell it to Target so we can make some money, but we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is, what we said yesterday is what we're going to do is, every card we get, we give a dollar back to the Armsville Community Outreach, because that's their biggest fundraiser. It's our soup kitchen, homeless shelter, dental clinic, and care clinic, and yesterday we got 200 cards. So 200 people in Jacksonville got an opportunity to love our city because you were out there. And, and maybe, hopefully, God will allow them to hear from Restore Church and, and change their lives. The second thing that we want to do is we want to point people to Jesus. Now, think about this blind man. They said, cheer up, get up. Now, how's this blind man going to now find his way to Jesus? Hey, he's this way. He's this way. And we want to point people to Jesus. We don't want to point them toward a preacher, toward a worship band. We don't want to point them to a, a snappy um, mission statement. Or we don't even want to point people to an awesome exhibit at Oktoberfest. We want to make God famous again. We want to make it as in, or we want to make it in Jacksonville as it is in heaven. Look, we want to point people to Jesus. We've been a church for two and a half years. And uh, today, Casey's going to get baptized right out here uh, in the marketplace. And, um, y'all, that's going to be baptism number seven zero. Seventy people in two and a half years in Jacksonville have given their life to Jesus through baptism. And that's because we point people to Jesus, and that's it. The third thing is that we make way. We make a way to Jesus. He's blind, this blind man has to get to Jesus. They can't just point to Jesus, but they have to move him through the crowd to get to Jesus. We want to move all obstacles out of the way. Guys, the gospel is simple. You read it and obey it. And every time in the gospel someone gives their life to Jesus, they say, I want to follow him. They're baptized right away. And so you can, with Casey, 
be baptized right out here uh, this afternoon. In uh, Mark chapter 10, the, the story continues in verse 50. Verse 50, it says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up to his feet and, and he came to Jesus. <clears throat> what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see you. What do you want from Jesus? What is it you desire? I mean, so when I was a kid, I, I would pray that um, my prayer was, God, if you're real, when I open my eyes, there will be a motorcycle in our driveway. Not making that up, would pray that all the time. And God never gave us a motorcycle. Still a little disappointed. But, I mean, what do you really want? I mean, the, the man cries for mercy, wants his sight back. What do you want from Jesus? Is it, is it deeper relationships? Do you need real relationships? I mean, you have no one to turn to. You have surface-level relationships. And when it all hits the fan, where do you go then? What do you need? What do you want from Jesus? Maybe it's an addiction you have that you've been struggling with for forever, and, and you need freedom from that, from Jesus. Maybe it's another sin that you need God to get rid of or, or a way to overcome it or just need to know that someone is there. Maybe some of us just need a new beginning, like a fresh start. This man who stands up, they say, he's over here. Cheer, cheer up. He, he's actually calling you this way, this way. M move all that stuff. Get, get, hey, here, let's get him to Jesus, and now you can imagine the crowd is pulling him through with, with his hands, and he's just like, stop, I gotta take the cloak off because it's getting in the way. What's getting in the way of your pursuit of Jesus? I mean, do you really want to get rid of your addiction, or do you just say you do, and so you, you keep some things around so when no one else is there, you know. I mean, do you really want real relationships or do you just want to look like you have real relationships or, or think like you have relationships? Do you really want a fresh start? Because if you want a fresh start, what it means is taking off the cloak of all of the other stuff and throwing it away. Like, get rid of it and pursue, pursue Jesus. But what I like to do is kind of Wear my cloak when I want to, take it off when I want to. Put it back on when I want to, take it off when I want to. And that's just not how it works. Are you willing to throw off the cloak that keeps you from Jesus? Here's the last verse in that chapter, or in that section, and, and it's the last verse in the chapter. Verse 52, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight. And he followed Jesus along the road. What healed the man? It was his faith. His faith that Jesus is who he says he is and can do what he says he will do. Now, believing that Jesus is who he says he is, a lot of us could probably say that. 
if you can, if you're like, man, I, I just don't know, again, you're in a perfect place. It's a safe place to ask all the questions you want. I mean, don't stand up and do it now. But at some point, let's have coffee, uh, email back and forth, whatever you'd like, and we can answer or we can talk about your, your questions. I, I, I don't have every answer out there, but we can find them together. But for some of us, man, we've, we've been Christians for a long time. And the best aspect of our faith is a belief, man. We believe. But we know that that's not all there is to faith. I mean, James knows that, right? And he tells us that faith without action, it's just words. Imagine a man sitting here and he says, Jesus, Jesus, uh, son of David, heal me. And Jesus like, hey, call him. And they're like, hey, dude, get up, cheer up. He's yelling for you. And he's like, I believe you, man. I, I got gotcha. you. I, I believe you can do it. Just keep, keep going. No, he, he had to get up. And follow Jesus. His obedience along with his belief is what healed him. You know that? I mean, if you believe that Jesus can heal you or, or allow you to move forward with whatever it is, you also have to act on what God asks you to do. And that's the hardest part. This is what's beautiful to me is that it's, it's him and Jesus. The guy who was on the outside is, is now on the inside. It's the sinner and the savior, the, the blind man, and the man who created sight to begin with are standing there alone. And the verse says, and he followed Jesus along the way. I mean, the story caught my eye because it's the outcast who is now welcome. It's, it's the blind man who, who can now see to follow Jesus. And at some point, that's got to be all of our stories. We're all broken here. Um, we're all outcasts at some point. My grandfather's a preacher, and, and he's probably the best preacher. My dad's, <clears throat> my dad's a preacher, man, and, and he lets it fly. Uh, both of those guys, man, dedicated to the Lord. Um, and, and I owe a lot of my preaching and my faith to, to those men. Um, but, you know, growing up, I hated church. I didn't belong there. Everyone else there was perfect, and as I confessed earlier, I am not. So when high school, when I graduated high school, when, and you're starting to talk about what you want to do with the rest of your life, well, I was destined to be the shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds, right? And so I, when I graduated high school, I, I went to college in Cincinnati Christian University, a Christian school, to play baseball. And that's all I wanted to do was play baseball. And I was only 15 minutes away from home, so my plan, y'all, was to go home and party all the time and then just go back school. I, I wanted nothing to do with, with church. I really didn't want to have anything to do with God, and I would be the last person to become a pastor. <clears throat> God's funny that way. <clears throat> I met this girl, thought she was kind of cute. I married her later, and, uh, <clears throat> I, and she was like serious about this whole Jesus thing. And so, because she was really cute, I got serious about this Jesus thing. I started to really ask some questions. And, and then our school, 
our school had this all-night worship event. No, no, 24-hours worship event. During the day, different bands would play. During the day, all night long. So there were some guys in my dorm, and, and they said, hey, man, we're going to go. It was like late at night. And, and man, I, I was starting to really think about this whole Jesus thing. Like, can I, because, like, I can't be perfect. So if that's it, I'm out. But then there was this other part of it. It's called guilt and shame. And that was over here. And that for me was like insurmountable as far as following Jesus. And so they bring me, these guys, man, they, they usher me into this, this worship night. And I'm starting to ask all these questions. It's late. Guy's name's Chris leading worship, and I couldn't tell you what the name of the song was, but I just, I just remember the moment. And it's the moment where I felt like the blind man being ushered in. And in worship, it didn't matter who was around me. It didn't matter what was going on. It didn't matter what cute girl loved Jesus. But I hit my knees in, in that worship space in Cincinnati, Ohio, and lifted my hands and surrender to Jesus. And I think that's it. If you want to be on the out, if you want to come on the outside in, with all your baggage, with all your imperfections, it takes surrender. Are you willing to surrender to Jesus? Now let's pray together. Father, we love you, and, and man, we're... God, I, I'm thankful for a new beginning. I'm thankful that, that you don't hold my past against me, but God, you've turned, you've turned it into to good. I'm thankful for the grace that, that I don't deserve, but God, that you still give me new mercies every day. Lord, help us. Help us to be obedient. Help us to, to love you. Help us as, as a church to, to love you relentlessly and, and love people, every person, breathlessly. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. I mean, with, without it, we're, we're nothing. And the example he set, God, let it be the example we set with our lives. thankful that Jesus talks to, to blind men and, and to sinners like, like us. God, thank you for creating mo beautiful mosaics out of broken people. Uh, let it be, God, in Jacksonville as it is in heaven. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.